Welcome to the 321 Biz Development Podcast. My name is Clarence Rick Napier, CEO of 321 Biz Dev LLC, located in Sacramento County, California. 321 Biz Dev is a business development and sales industry think tank. Our businesses people, our product is sales performance. 321 is the only company with sales systems for white collar professionals who did not have access to affordable sales and business development training in college or through certification programs. 321 is the company to call if you or your sales team want to master the following four main sales functions, contacting, prospecting, appointment setting, and closing. 321 supports CPAs, accounting firms, attorneys, insurance brokers, real estate brokers, dentists, cosmetic surgeons, and real estate investors. In addition, 321 features the most talented business professionals on our podcast from North America and from around the world. 321 BizDev services are available worldwide where the English language is spoken. Our website is 321bizdev.com, powered by sitemarket.com. Today's episode is powered by Jive Communications at jive.com. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212. We have over 58 hours of sales training and business development content on our podcast. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, 321BizDev listeners, I'm really excited to tell you about a little about my story of how I made the transition from being a weak salesperson to being a strong consultant. And it's quite a story. Yeah, I must I must tell this story because a lot of salespeople, when they're uh, thinking about their sales activity and their sales career, they may be just like I was, sort of trapped in this industry where I didn't know I didn't know how to improve it. I didn't know what I needed to know. I did not know what I didn't know. So if you are like where I was about maybe six, eight, ten years ago, I totally get it. And all I want you to do is say to yourself, there is a better way to sell. There is a better way to take control of your sales career so that you don't have to fumble with it. You don't have to try to figure out, you know, what am I doing? And most importantly, you don't have to be like mad at being in sales. You don't have to be sort of like, gosh, you know, what am I doing? You you don't want to be frustrated with being in sales because it doesn't have to be that way. But I totally understand how people feel as as salespeople it's like you have this you have this product or service and maybe you're the business owner maybe you are the dentist maybe you're the attorney maybe you're the CPA the accounting firm owner maybe you're the real estate broker with all these agents coming through your office and you're saying to yourself man what is missing what is the secret sauce to get my business off the ground what else do I need to do what else do I need to know but I'll tell you something 
it's not product knowledge. Whoever you know misled or just just started talking to people or training agents on product knowledge, they're doing the they're doing salespeople a a severe disservice because selling is is anything but the product. Of course, there is a product that you're marketing, you know, a product or service that you're marketing, but that's not even what the sales industry is about. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes is tell you about what um, sales was to me and how I hated it, but it was a, it was a, a good way to, to make money. Uh, it was a good way to call myself being independent, although I didn't feel independent. It kind of felt like I was um, in jail with this career that I couldn't really get off the ground. And it was almost like I was dragging this this 40 pound ball, this chain, this, this ball and chain on my feet every single day for about maybe four, five, six years when I was in the sales industry. So I'm going to tell you my story and I'm going to tell you, first of all, how it began and then I'll tell you how it it ended in terms of uh, me being sort of very frustrated with sales and then I'll tell you where I am now so I left corporate America in about the late 1990s early 2000s because I was working 80 hours a week and not having time to spend with my three boys I had a uh, about that time I had a you know I had all my kids were, were in single digit uh, age groups and it was just my wife and I and three boys, and I was never home. I missed a lot of baseball games. I missed a lot of events because I was running up and down the West Coast from San Diego to, to, to Seattle, handling corporate business, uh, mainly as a, as a sales manager and an operations manager. And uh, so I just gave it up. I gave it up. Like I said, in the, the late 1990s, early 2000s, I went in to work one day after working 80 hours a week for, for the last, you know, two years. I just quit. I said, I'm done. You know, this is not enough money. Uh, I'm, I'm not having any quality of life. My lifestyle is, is a mess. All I know is work. So, so I quit and I took some money and uh, I, I did some things with the money and found like a part-time job to give me some time to sort of like let my hair down after corporate America. Then I found an opportunity to uh, work with the Cisco equipment. Uh, I've told people before that I'm a military veteran and I worked in technology. So I have, I had some Cisco uh, equipment type experience. So I, I, I began that process to work with Cisco equipment. And then the big stock market crash happened in like 2000, 2001, and that sort of killed that opportunity. So I said, okay, so, you know, I'm a people person, and, uh, you know, so I like being with people, so I started looking at sales opportunities and found a few companies to work for. Some were in, most of them were all independent uh, sales industries or sales, you know, companies in insurance, real estate, and mortgage. And that's the, and that was the, the thing that I should have paid attention to, you know, after leaving corporate America, I should have paid attention to the fact that in corporate America, we had 
sales systems. But when I let my hair down and left, left corporate America, I sort of left all of the, the great things about corporate America behind. I left the fundamentals. I left the basics behind. I left the, the, the things that, you know, I was concerned with and, and, and felt were very important in corporate America. You know, all the strategies, uh, how to do things right, how to cross the T's and dot the I's. I left that all behind because I just wanted out of corporate America. I wanted nothing more to do with it. So I had, so I, so I had my guard down when I went to independent sales. And uh, so it was one company I went to. I, I signed up with them. I got an insurance license and we met for a couple of nights a week and we met on a Saturday. And I remember working with this company, the, the owner of the company, the first thing he did that Saturday morning, he blasted every single agent for low productivity and, and pretty much cursed them out. It was about maybe 50 agents in the Saturday meeting. And he literally cursed them out on a Saturday morning, like 8.30 in the morning. We were supposed to have some type of strategy, some type of personal development meeting. And he cursed out every agent. Now, I didn't feel like I was cursed out because I was new, but I said to myself, is this how independent sales are, you know, are managed? Were you, if you're not happy with the productivity of the agents, you just curse them out, or as we say in the South, cuss them out. So I spent approximately two hours with that company and never came back. I never came back to that company to ever work again and to this day, I will never, ever work with that company. So I had the license, wasn't doing too much with it. And I had this part-time job in the evening, uh, like I said, after corporate America that paid me uh, quite well. It was quite independent. So it was like a consulting uh, job and I didn't have to deal with too many people. It was just basically uh, performing this task for a company. And uh, my, my military buddy, Rich, from Buffalo, New York, he said, Rick, let's get into the mortgage business. And I said to Rich, man, what is the mortgage business? Oh, you know, you can do loans, you can do refis. And even though I had a mortgage, I had no idea what the mortgage business was like. So Rich and I got started in the mortgage business. And uh, so I started going to these mortgage meetings to learn the mortgage business. And there were literally four to five hundred people at these meetings. And this was a time when the, 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 pre, the, the, the beginning of the mortgage crash was starting to begin in California, like 2001, 2002, where everybody and their brother was eligible for a loan. So you can imagine a state with 40 million people, you know, thousands of people were getting in the business and thousands of people did loans, thousands of people did uh, sold real estate, and uh, it was, so it was just a, a free-for-all. But here's the thing, at that mortgage company, no one ever talked about dealing with the customer in terms of trying to learn more about the customer. It was just, here's how to calculate the rates, here's how to do the 1003, here's how to calculate you know, APR, here are the things you need to put on the on the you know, real estate owned section of the, of the 1003. 
here's how to run the credit report. So it was all that type of stuff, but never anything about dealing with the people. So I found another insurance company to work because I had all this free time after working 80 hours a week. Yeah, so I, I, I worked in the insurance business and I worked in the mortgage business because at that time, the California economy, uh, you know, supported by the fake mortgage and real estate crisis, the, the California economy w was, was booming at that time. Even though it was fake, we didn't know it was fake, but it was booming. So I started with this national well-known insurance company that had some structures and uh, the, the company worked with employers. And uh, so they had some structure in their orientation, in their onboarding of new um, insurance agents, but it still was the same old thing. Let's spend all this time learning about this product, learning about you know how to sell insurance at the workplace. And I gotta tell people, the insurance industry or the insurance product is the hardest product to sell, you know, out of all the industries that you can think of. It's a hundred times harder than than mortgages and real estate. It's and the reason why is because it's an intangible product. Selling insurance is not the same as selling a house. It's not the same as originating a, a purchase loan or a refi loan. It's not the same as putting you know teeth in the people's mouth as a dentist it's not the same as doing a breast implant if you're a cosmetic surgeon it's not the same as selling a car or putting a new roof on someone's house it's not the same as selling cpa or accounting services to people that need their their books you know managed so this is why the insurance industry creates so many sales casualties, so many salespeople casualties. There's a stat out there by a reputable consulting firm that reports that 87 to 90% of salespeople in the insurance industry fail or don't make enough money. And that's mainly because the insurance industry, like 99% of the companies out there train on product knowledge alone and it's horrible it's it's so horrible uh, that they, that they do that because the insurance agent is already selling the hardest product and the reason why that product is is the hardest is because it's an intangible product when salespeople meet with potential uh, insurance clients or applicants there is no no magic there is no you know new car smell there is no bright shiny object for the insurance applicant man and wife or single individual to look at it's about what might happen to you and will you be prepared for it if it you know if and when it does happen so to make a long story short about the insurance industry you know i was i was miserable knowing that i had to somehow build build rapport with people and it's not that consumers hate insurance Consumers hate the sales process that financial services people bring to the table. Consumers hate how impersonable salespeople are because most insurance agents now, you know, we can also add uh, to insurance agents, maybe just about any other sales professional. You know, if you're selling CPA services or real estate or mortgages, or dental services or cosmetic surgery, attorney services, legal services, 
you know, real estate investment services, if you're selling a roof, if you're selling an HVAC system, you know, heating, heating and ventilation uh, system for homes or businesses, salespeople have this bad reputation for being impersonable. And it's because they're not receiving the training to help them, you know, change that, that the image that consumers and, you know, potential, you know, clients have of salespeople. So, you know, after working with this big company, got kind of saturated, this big insurance company that's nationally known, you know, I wanted to move back to working with uh, high net worth individuals because at that time when I was in corporate America, I was a high net worth um, individual making over six figures. And I said to myself, I want to work with uh, some high net worth individuals. So I started with this company and this company was uh, based in San Jose. And, but you know, something creepy happened. You know, I'm sitting there and I never knew what high net worth individuals purchased in terms of insurance products. But I found out that high net worth individuals were paying, you know, it was no big deal for them, for them to pay $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 per month for insurance products or, you know, buy $5 million, you know, uh, death, benef death benefit insurance policies where the, the premium might be, you know, $8,700 a month. So we're talking San Jose, you know, at the start of Silicon Valley, uh, you know, the south edge of, Sil of the Silicon Valley up through, you know, Silicon Valley, Cisco, where now Facebook is and, uh, you know, Google. And at that time, Google was not that, I don't think Google was around then, or maybe they were just starting. I think I just got my, my Gmail address in the mid uh, 2000s. So, so I'm sitting here going, saying to myself, because I'm thinking, you know, product knowledge, and I'm thinking to myself, who's gonna buy $3,000 a month insurance for me? Who's gonna pay, who's gonna let me sit in front of them and sell them a, you know, a $5 million, you know, policy? You know, um, which executive is going to, you know, let me sell them a $10 million policy. So I was freaking out and, and it wasn't so much. I didn't know how the product worked because I did. I knew the products very well, but my main concern back then was how would this conversation go? You know, I, I didn't know how, you know, I didn't know the flow of this conversation. I can't go in there and say, you know, Don, Maria, you know, I'm Rick. I got this $5 million policy that's going to cost you, you know, $3,500, $4,000 per month. They never talk, talked about how that conversation would go. How do you uh, engage people to start this conversation? Um, you know, what do you say? And it wasn't so much, you know, the script. It wasn't so much like a, a presentation. And by the way, if you're selling financial service services products and you're using and you are using flip charts and PowerPoint slides, please stop that. Call me 833-321-3212. You must stop using these damn flip charts and these PowerPoint presentations because consumers, potential insurance apl applicants hate it. They will never tell you, but they hate it. And nine times out of 10, you will not get the business by using these flip charts. I'm just telling you, you won't uh, get the business. 
So back to San Jose, I was spent, I spent three days in this insurance training, uh, these sessions, and it was all about product knowledge. Like I said, I knew 100% how the product worked. And uh, so I just want to say, see, you know, the focus was on the product, but not how consumers felt about me, the, the salesperson, how good a job I was doing, how bad a job I was doing. Obviously, a lot of agents are doing a bad job because consumers have this, this negative opinion and image of financial services people. So here is a company I can talk about because I love this company. The company is Genworth Financial and they, they sell a lot of long-term care and uh, life insurance products. And they have a great hybrid uh, life insurance long-term care product. So the reason why I mention this name is because this was the beginning of my epiphany to learn what I was doing wrong in the sales industry. So I met this software engineer through another uh, Genworth uh, top producing agent in Sacramento and this software engineer sold his stock in a tech in a tech company in San Francisco. Sorry, I have a little uh, sinus problem, so I'm sorry if I'm, it sounds like I'm jumping around. So he sold his stock in a tech company to start a Genworth agency. And this guy, his name was Mark. He was the first person I had met after leaving corporate America who had something that looked like sales training, but it wasn't, but it was close to being sales training. And Mark, he invited all the new agents that he hired to his office in the San Francisco area to be there for a week. Now you couldn't, now you had to pay your own, you, you had to pay your own accommodations because this is independent sales. This is not the corporate side where they paid $10,000 for me to attend a eight day training class plus room and board plus you know travel expenses you had to pay your own accommodation expenses your you know you know where you wanted to, to spend the night so two of those nights I didn't spend the night I drove 100 miles back to Sacramento shouldn't have done that but <laughs> we were there from 7:30 in the morning till 7:30 at night and my commute round trip from Sacramento to San Francisco was at least three and a half hours, like three hours round trip, sometimes four hours. So I had to be there at 7.30, so I had to leave my house at around 4.30 in the morning to get there at 7.30 because of the massive traffic from Sacramento to San Francisco. It's just, it's just millions of cars for 100 miles. Uh, just, you know, pretty much from 4.30 in the morning till 10 a.m. <laughs> So Mark's training session, he talked a little about product knowledge, but he had this session where he said, okay, we're going to start making phone calls to people about long-term care. And inside, I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not going to call anybody about uh, long-term. I mean, these are, these are people at their homes. And that's the one thing I hated. Um, and even though I never had to do it, I did not like calling people in their homes. But since I was, in, I was in the San Francisco area and I had to be there for 12 hours and there was no way that I was gonna say, well, I'm out of here because I don't wanna call people at their homes. So I just, you know, suck it up. <laughs> I sucked it up 
And I said, okay, so I'm gonna listen to Mark explain how these calls would go and what type of you know, sales process he was using. Now again, this was not sales training. Mark did not give people the extra information I thought people should have. This is the information that I give people now. But Mark did not give that information to people. It was like 10 of us, you know, about how the background of why these calls uh, would be perceived in a certain way uh, by, by potential applicants in San Francisco. Now, let me tell you, we were calling the San Francisco Bay Area, which is pretty much a 70 mile radius. So you pick any point in the San Francisco Bay Area and you go out 70 miles and just let that circle, just circle that whole thing. So you're talking about, you know, four to five million people that, um, you know, encompasses the San Francisco Bay Area. Maybe even six or seven if you include some of the outer areas. So, so I looked at Mark's sales process. Again, not sales training. And I said to myself, okay, this is not going to be as bad as I thought it was because he did have something there that helped me feel better about making these phone calls. Again, not sales training, but it was an organized process that I had not seen before with several companies that I, I work with. So here's like the first drum roll to let me know that something was missing. Even in Mark's system, something was missing. So I went to Napa and Napa is sort of the outer edge of the San Francisco Bay Area. It's it's its own entity. It's it's the wine country. So if you ever have heard of Napa and you, and you like Napa winery wine, well, that's where I was. I was in Napa at this, uh, this house for a long-term care appointment. It was a widow and uh, it was a nice $2 million house. Um, again, I knew the product. She needed the product, but I could not freaking close. I realized something was missing. So I could talk to her about the product. You know, she could let me know in certain, in cert some certain, you know, fashion, whether or not she liked it or not. The price, the price wasn't that bad, but there was something missing. So I left empty handed. I could have made about four to five thousand dollars on that appointment. But again, something was missing from that appointment. So so then the magic began to happen. So after I left that appointment, I said, man, I sucked at that appointment. I, mean, I was dressed well. I smelled good. You know, I had, you know, driving, you know, pretty decent car. It wasn't like, you know, Mercedes Benz or nothing like that, but I had a decent car. You know, I was, I was well-groomed. And, you know, a lot of sales training or a lot of sales organizations tell you to look great, you know, smell great, have your shoes polished, wear a tie, wear a suit. So, you know, and, you know, to have your, your nails groomed and have a professional presentation. So I had all that and I couldn't close then the magic began to happen. So again, I, I apologize, I'm sort of bouncing around, but I'm getting to some very important information. I mean, how much product knowledge could I stand? I knew the products very well. So I got this invite to see this, this, uh, this lawyer, this, this attorney, his name was Harley Gordon, and he was presenting a long-term care sort of like an uh, like a like a seminar 
about talking about long-term care to people who may also uh, need uh, estate planning because he was an elder law attorney from Boston, Massachusetts, and he wasn't an insurance agent. And this is the part that surprised me. This guy was not an insurance agent, but he gave me the best insurance training that I had that I had received so far. So that's why I always tell people that selling is not about a product because this guy didn't know much about the the insurance industry in terms of writing the policy and the forms and how these products worked. But what he talked about at his seminar gave me the best sales training or the best first glance at sales training that I had ever had. So, you know, a lot of these third party vendors like uh, like uh, Harley Gordon Esquire, they 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 meet people and they usually usually add some product knowledge and they provide some insight so salespeople can strengthen their product knowledge and look like experts. So Harley didn't know it. He didn't know what he gave to me in his two-hour presentation about uh, estate planning and elder law issues. He didn't know. But he said some things that made me think, you know? So these third-party vendors, they come in and they talk about some of the, the fringes of, you know, what you're selling and how, you know, maybe one or two things additional might get you the business. And, and of course, if you have an elder law issue, then by all means, call Harley. He was probably admitted in, to, to practice law in California as well as Massachusetts. And that's probably why he was out here. You know, California is a um, high net worth state, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I don't blame him for coming out. But what Harley said and what he did was something that I had never seen or heard before. He presented a viewpoint about why people should not buy long-term care. And I was like, huh? He was basically saying, you know, when he talks to people, Joe, Maria, you don't need it. You don't need long-term care. Why spend $600,000 a month on long-term care? Why spend, you know, $1,000 a month times 12, which is $12,000 a year for the next 20 years, which is $240,000, and you would never use it. So he advises people, he, this is what he tells people, and this is what he told us in, the, in, in his seminar, that he tells people initially, don't even buy long-term care. Tell the agent to get out of your house because you don't need it. Because you have all this money stored up. You have you know, $500,000 in equity in your house. You have perhaps pensions. You perhaps have a, a great 401k. You don't need long-term care. But Harley said also in his training, he said, people don't need long-term care, dot, 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 until they do. And I will repeat that. People don't need long-term care, dot, 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 until they do. Until all hell breaks loose in their house. And all of a sudden, they need money. And all of a sudden, they begin to liquidate those assets that they thought would be around until maybe they passed away and they could, uh, you know, 
transfer these assets to their 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 spouses, uh, to their kids, to their grandkids. So when Harley said that, that all when he said people don't need long-term care dot 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 until they do, the light bulb went off in my in my head. Now I'm not sure if anybody else caught this about what he said. And what I got out of that was for the very first time, Harley was putting the ball back into the consumer's court. For the very first time, you know, as, as looking at sales and what I was doing in the past, Harley said, consumer, you look at all of your options. Consumer, you look at the ramifications of buying versus not buying. It's not going to be me, the agent. I'm not going to make the decision for you. I want you to weigh, you know, stack up the, 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 the income and the assets you have over here and then consider if something ever happens. And I kid you not, and I, I know it sounds like I'm, I'm selling long-term care. I'm not. And I think maybe if a long-term care agency hears this, they may call me to say, you know, Rick, can you finish that story with our long-term care agents? So anyway, when he said that, it was that day in Berkeley, California, about 2006, 2007, when the light, maybe it was like 2008, it was about 2008, 2009, when my light came on. And from that point forward, I started looking at sales totally different. And from that point forward, I said to myself, no longer will I be a salesperson because the old way I was selling before I, I heard Harley Gordon Esquire from Boston, Massachusetts do his seminar, I was dumping data on people. I was dumping facts on people. I was dumping stats on people. And I just I will just tell you right now, people don't like that. A lot of times the people already know the stats. The reason why they called you in the house is because they wanted or they want someone to listen to what their needs are. Okay. And that's sort of like the, 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 the sneaky part uh, about this, not sneaky toward the consumers or the applicants, but that's the sneaky part that a lot of agents need to uh, pay attention to uh, about how they work their business. So from that point forward, I started writing uh, a sales system from consumers' perspectives, from buyers' perspectives, from potential prospects or prospects' perspectives. And that's when I gained complete control of my sales activities. And that's when I also began to look at small business owners and say, how are they selling their attorney services? How are they selling their dental services, their CPA services, their insurance services, real estate services, cosmetic surgery services? I started looking at how everyone was selling and they were selling the same way I was selling and not succeeding. They were blowing through so many prospects and not closing because they were selling the same way I used to sell, which is which is pitch, 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 being impersonal, very impersonal, uh, talking too much, 
using these damn flip flip charts and PowerPoint slides. So I said, I'm going to change that. I'm going to I'm going to use these next you know thousands. I spent about like five thousand hours writing the sales system. If I accumulated all the time, if I accumulate all the time that I spent, a 500-page sales manual took me about five thousand hours, a couple of years. Not something that I did, you know, overnight. This took like almost two and a half years to perfect it to the point where number one, I feel good about it, and number two, I can transfer my good feeling about it and information to others so that they can feel good about their sales activity. And no, prospects are not being tricked. So the sales system that I designed. Does not trick consumers, prospects, people looking to buy, because I am giving consumers exactly what they've always said they wanted. No, it's not a technique. Again, I'm giving consumers and applicants and prospects, and so can three two one biz dev clients. Give your consumers and prospects everything they've always said they're, they they wanted. So the year 2014 is when I finished the 500-page training manual, and I wrote it for seven to eight industries. Everything from the business plan to contacting and prospecting and setting the appointment to closing to writing referral uh, systems to uh, writing um, uh, information about how to overcome. These problems, that these psychological problems we have with sales. Now, it's not it's not written from a psychologist's perspective. It's written from a how consumers look at salespeople. So then, so when I wrote this manual, guess what? All of my fears about sales vanished. No longer was I I was a product pitcher like 99% of my colleagues. I was consulting. Then the sales system. Gave me more power and willingness to speak to anyone. I need to. So, if I, in other words, if I feel that I can help people, and this is what I want to leave people with, you know, when you when you're not pitching products and you use a sales system where you let consumers, prospects, applicants,、uh, potential clients. Tell you what they're looking for, then that changes the whole perspective about selling. You no longer have to have anxiety. You no longer have to be frustrated because at sales appointments, the the the, the prospect, the person thinking about buying, and you, the salesperson, the business owner, both of you are frustrated. Both of you have anxiety because. The, the the potential client they know you need money they know that you want to ask them for their money and you the salesperson the business owner you know you are there to collect the check、uh, in in as you transfer your product or service to them you're going to collect the check so that builds this frustrating high uh, anxious uh, situation and where the the prospect is saying you know what I know that. That Joe is only here for the money, and most salespeople convey that. 
when they when they go out and they sell to people, they they convey the 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 sentiment that they are only there for the money. And prospects, potential customers, they pick up on that. They pick up on the fact that the sales system or lack thereof is so weak that they can tell that that business owner or salesperson is only there for the money. So what I want to leave people with is once you get to that point in your in your sales career where you say, you know what, I am missing something. That's when you want to pick up the phone and call 321-BizDev LLC. Because before then, you're going to like push back every time someone tries to help you. You're going to say, oh, I don't need it. My sales are fine. I don't need any help. I don't need someone showing me how to do my business. That's what's going to happen. And you're, and you're not doing it to piss me off. You're not doing it to, to make someone mad that's trying to help you. You're doing it because this is all you know and you would rather pound your head to the ground or against the wall to make it happen because that's what you think sales is about. You think sales is just pound through it. You know, if I got to talk to 100 people to close one deal, I'm going to do it. So you're going you're gonna to talk to 100 people, you're going to find one person, and you're going to have 99 dead bodies along the side of the road or in front of people's homes because those people told you no and they didn't tell you no because they didn't like the product they told you no because they didn't like the sales system and primarily they didn't like the experience they had during the appointment that's why they told you no so I'm just letting you know that once you get to that point and you say, there's got to be another way to sell. That's when you'll call 321-BizDev LLC. Because when I call people today, I call people across the U.S. and Canada. And I can tell based on the response I get about sales training and business development services, I know exactly where they're coming from. Because I was there too. And I know they're not upset with me. I know it. They're just saying, I can figure this out. If there's some type of ritual that I need to go through, if I need to have bloody fingers and scrape my knees in order to have sales success, gosh, gosh darn it, I'm going to do it because that's what it must take to succeed in sales. So, But when people figure it out, business owners figure it out and salespeople figure it out, you will be able to contact anybody you need to. You will be able to pick up the phone and call anybody you need to. You will be able to, you will be able to pick up the phone and call the most important person, the most wealthiest person you know about your product or service if you think your product or service can fit their need. So I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. You have listened to the 321 Biz Development Podcast. 321 Biz Dev LLC is a business development and sales industry think tank. Our business is people, our product is sales performance. 321 is the only company with sales systems for white collar professionals who did not have access to affordable sales and business development training in college or through certification programs. Our website is 321bizdev.com 
powered by SiteMarket.com. And this podcast episode was powered by Jive Communications at Jive.com. We can be reached toll-free in the U.S. and Canada at 833-321-3212. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. It was truly a pleasure and a treat to tell you my story. Make it a great day.